Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you had a good last week. If you didn't, we're praying that you have a great new week this week. So I'm so glad you joined me today. And if you heard last week's show, that was part one on generosity. And we said, are you a generous person? Are you generous? And so we talked a lot about what generosity is, the benefits of generosity, how easy it is to do. Sometimes it may sound a lot easier than it actually is. But we really talked about the power of generosity, especially in our intimate relationships, but what it really does for the whole entire world, the community that we live in. And so I thought I would have my friend, Dr. Jared Pinkleton, come and be on the show. He's been on our show before. You might recognize that that name. He has some great books, Magnificent Marriages, is one of the best books I have read, and I've used it with many of my clients in practice. He also has a new book out, which I'm very excited to learn about, that we will have, so make sure you pay attention in the future. We're going to have him on again to talk about his new book that is called Be Strong and Surrender, a 30-day recovery guide, and it's co-authored with Phil Dvorak and Dr. Paul Meyer. So really excited about that book. And so today I thought it would be really nice. He's a credentialed minister, a clinical psychologist, lots of life experience working with many people and, and coaching and supervising other therapists and authored several books, like I said, that he would really have some great insight about generosity, the power of generosity, how that works with ourselves, our own heart, our own faith in God, and how that interacts and, and really the power of that in our most intimate relationships. So, Dr. Pingleton, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cynthia. appreciate your generous invitation and <laughs> delight to be with you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> your generous time, my generous information, uh, uh, you know, invitation. We are practicing generosity already. That's awesome. That's right. So, you know, let's, let's, I, I want to maybe talk in the second hour a little bit more about your book that's coming up. So this first part, you know, it, what do you think about this issue of generosity? Because you and I were kind of talking off air a little bit about the fact that we both realize that people don't really talk about this when this is oh. actually such a quality of God. And, and before I let you talk here for a minute, I want to read this verse that I found that was really amazing to me. And it talks about um, the generosity of God. And, and this one, though, is in Second Corinthians chapter 8, 2, and 4. And it says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and, and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there, sought for myself, they gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. 
I, you know, I never read it. And this is the message version. And it said, the trial exposed their true colors and the pressure triggered generous gifts. And I thought, wow, that's quite a mandate. That's quite an idea to think that pressure, you know, external pressure should trigger generosity in me. And that's the opposite of what happens. Well, yes, to our flesh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> our, our flesh is the antithesis of generous. We are selfish. We hoard. We take. We want. We lust. We covet. We desire that which we don't have. And when we are, are born, we are not generous. We are quite the opposite of that in our selfishness and our humanness. So I love the topic. I love the idea it is unfortunately very rare to discuss, and it should be basic 101 Christianity, but it's very, very seldom taught. It's truly amazing, because the more that I read about generosity, I, I had this other verse in First Timothy, chapter first, 14, it says, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant, mm. with faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. And, you know, the, the, the fact that Jesus came into the world, I was talking last week about the generosity that God loves everyone and gave his entire life for every right. single person created. That is so generous. And I think it's just one of those things that we just, it, it's so obvious that we don't talk about. Agreed. And I love that you are zeroing in foundationally on the nature, identity, and personhood of God, because that's who, what, and how God is. God is a giver. He is generous. And of the dozens of passages talking about generosity in Scripture, so many of them are a discussion of the Father's identity. And I think many times our God concept is so distorted and perverted if we had a harsh or punitive or absentee or abusive father, we don't see God as being generous, but he is love, and love gives. And again, that's a natural expression of God's identity, his personhood, and thus his work. And since we are called and commissioned to be his children, we are then naturally as well designed. We were created in advance to do good works, um, Ephesians 2 says, and those works are based out of our generosity. And so I think really understanding and learning and knowing the heart of the Father is the big key for us treating others with generosity. That's, yes, that's very well said. And I, when you started talking, you also talked about we're born selfish, you know, children, yes. because they're so dependent. And then, you know, you know, developmental psychology, when children start growing up and, and the more loved and nurtured and secure they feel, they are so generous. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, some of their natural state from being loved by their parents is right. to be generous. And so you're, 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 you make a great point that the love of the father gave the son this generous gift, that the more connected we are with Christ, the more we understand what Christ has given us, the more generous it, w- it would be more in our nature as regenerated people to be generous. And what that engenders and creates inside the recipient when someone is on the, the receiving end of someone's generosity is there's a natural magnetizing draw. Cynthia, I had the privilege a couple of times this weekend to get to hang around one of my absolute favorite people in the whole wide world, 
she's 20 months old. Oh, my her gosh. Name, <laughs> her name is Chloe, and she happens to be, of course, our granddaughter. And she is so adorable. And when she gives out of a pure heart to her papa, I'm telling you, I, the buttons just burst right off my shirt. I am so thrilled. And it is so just wonderful to see her give so purely, so naturally, so trustingly. And she's fine with it. You know, she has abundance, and so she's not worried about her next meal. And she will share. And um, it's, it's just it's absolutely adorable. So you know, yeah. there is a part that's compelling when we as Christians are giving in such a, a wonderful way, then it's it's a beautiful experience. Well, that I think that is so powerful because I was talking about in the earlier uh, segment last week about when people are generous to me, like just small, even a stranger, like I'm driving, you know, and, and, and a driver does something stupid. And if they just wave and say sorry, mm-hmm. that piece of generosity of asking for forgiveness, like saying, hey, I noticed what I did and I'm yeah. sorry about that, that in and of itself makes me a better driver right then. And right? it makes you feel warm-hearted when Absolutely. you're trying to get out of a parking and lot. Yes. And somebody waves you ahead of them. You know, it, yes. it is. It's an act of generosity. And what it does is it, it often can transform the mood of everybody in the line. It does. It's contagious. People quit honking and start realizing, hey, 10 seconds is what it's going to take for me to be behind this next person. Exactly. We're all waiting. And it, it, it can. It can absolutely transform the mood of the whole group. But that's, again, the identity of the Father. I, I love his heart described in 1 John 3, 1, where the Apostle is telling us how great the love of the Father is that He has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. That word is so profound. That, That, to me, speaks of generosity, where there's this lavishness, extravagance, where there is a giving with all the trimmings, all the bells and whistles. He doesn't hold anything back. He's not a cheapskate. He's not a miser. He's not withholding He's not demeaning in any way. He lavishes love on us, and that's that's to be our identity and nature and personhood as well. You know, I, I read this article, and it's from. Um, let's see if I can find if I remember who who wrote it. It was um, the it's a science center, the Greater Science Center, and it was really talking about generosity. And how much it improves self-esteem and it improves, mm. but the, con- the social connectedness is what it does. And that's, you know, and it's amazing that science, uh, uh, you know, that's not a Christian center, is, is proving th- what God has built into the design of his world. That when we practice mm. these things, our communities are better. And like you said, it makes the, the line in the grocery store, it's so contagious and it's so easy. But we have to go it against is. our sin nature. Well, we do, and I, I was not taught or raised at all to be generous. Um, uh, there was a lot of trauma in the home in which I was raised after I was nine when my father left and um, dealt with the shame and stigma of divorce back in the, the 60s right. when that was pretty rare. And we were pretty much survival-based. 
growing up for, for several years. And so I was taught to work very hard and I was taught survival skills and I did those things uh, with the Lord's help very well, but I was not taught to be generous. And, <clears throat> oh my goodness, 20, 30 years ago, I, I have a good friend um, who was in my home church back in Kansas City who taught me so much about generosity. And he didn't grow up in a wealthy home either, but what he did through his hard work, he became quite successful in his um, well, let's, medical practice. Let, let, us, do, let us do this in the next segment. I'm, running, I'm way running out of time, and I love this story. So join me again in the next segment with Dr. Pingleton, Conversations with Cynthia, as we talk about generosity. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I have today with me a special guest, Dr. Jared Pingleton, and he is the Vice President of American Christian Counseling Association. I think I forgot to say that in the first when we first had um, had him on at the beginning of the hour. And um, he is also a clinical psychologist, and he has done some great scholastic. Um, endeavors. And I love his books. And one of his books that we had him on before was Magnificent Marriages. And it's amazing. But he's also done a new book called Be Strong and Surrender, a 30-day recovery guide co-authored by Phil Dvorak and Dr. Paul Meyer. So we're looking forward to having him again to talk about that book. But if you heard the last hour, we were talking about the spirit of generosity. You also heard that I did not end that very well in the last segment, and I interrupted him in the middle of this story that was so good. I got enthralled in the story and forgot to listen to the music. So, Dr. Pingleton, thank you for being so gracious and being back in this in this segment. So I want to make sure we start kind of where we left off. So give the listeners a little bit of that story, and then we're going to talk more about that. Sure, no problem, Cynthia. This is such an amazing topic. It, it, it really is transformative. And so I, I have this friend who taught me so much about generosity that helped me really grow and develop as a believer. And then there are some parenting implications we derive from that, too. But what this guy does is every time he is looking to buy a new car for himself or a car that is new to him, he gives his current one away to a single mom or oh, other wow. person in the church. He That's gives it awesome. Away. That's awesome. He doesn't trade it in. He doesn't sell it himself and put that money. He saves up the money, enough money for another car, and gives that one away. And, I mean, those are things that are kind of out of the box. He, he, gives, he gave me a paradigm shift on stewardship and resources and giving. And so we got to talking about that and thinking about that, and he did not grow up wealthy at all, but he was a a very hard worker and a successful um, man ministering to others in um, his medical practice. And he is just extremely, extremely generous. And, I mean, he he gives all the time, as does his wife. And so one of the things we got to discussing in, in our home group about this is I brought up the whole paradigm again of Christmas. The question every kid in America is asked 
January 2nd or whenever they go back to school after what used to be called the Christmas break. Now it's winter holiday or something. Right, right. Um, but sorry for the <laughs> there, but I get uh, it. It bugs me. It bugs me. Yes, so me the, too. The question every child is asked is, what did you get for Christmas, right? Yes. So I challenge kids and I, we, our four sons. We said, hey, why don't we turn that around? And so what I challenge people to think about is, what did you give for Christmas? That's awesome. I love that. So that we are thinking more biblically and training our children not to what to expect, but the joy and the delight of giving to others. Then we got to thinking, okay, how can we extend this? And so we thought, well, why don't we have each of our kids pick out a toy that they would like to give to kids um, at, at a mission or shelter or other ministries that we were involved with over the years at different times. And so it was interesting and, and kind of cute when a three- or four-year-old, one of our guys at that age, would, would be able to grasp this concept enough to do it. And they would always and automatically pick out a toy that was their least favorite, that was maybe <laughs> broken or damaged or whatever. Right. And, and I would accept that. But then I would, I would help them understand and then apply the golden rule. How would you feel, son? How would you feel, honey, if this was a toy that you received and didn't have any others? And that wasn't to invoke guilt. That was to help them understand what it's like to be on both sides yes, of that Yes, exactly. exactly. And helping them be able then to give in a much more free and full way to where their generosity was something that made them feel good about themselves in a healthy and, I think, biblically mature way. So those are some things that I think we can, we can understand about the dynamic of generosity, how it, it not only transforms other people, it changes us. Yes, indeed. I, I mean, and that, that is probably some of the most powerful things that we can do is when we are generous to people. Yeah. And it is sometimes the most difficult you know, when we're stressed out, when we feel overwhelmed, when we get our feelings hurt, you know, when we're running short of money, the last thing we want to think about is being generous. And, right. and yet we have Jesus who had nothing and gave everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's a trust issue, I think, sometimes with God to trust the dynamics that he wrote into his world, his universe, that generosity really works. It creates more. It, it creates abundance. It doesn't take and I think that's and hard that's, for people. That's true. It's hard for people to understand that dynamic when they feel like they have nothing. But you know, you've traveled the world. I've I've traveled. I've been to Africa, and they are some of the most generous people. It's yes. so humbling. They just yes. want to give and me hospitable. things. Hospitable. Yes. They're so hospitable, Cynthia. They give you the best chair. <laughs> they if they do. have one. They, they do. They give you the best food. They give you the best of what they have. And yes, there have been times where. I've been grateful that I believe God hears and answers prayer and giving the blessing. It's a, an exercise of faith because that's not food I'm used to eating, you know, as yes. a very involved middle-class American. In <laughs> yes. third-world countries, you know, our, our worst meals are sumptuous feasts in exactly. most other parts of the world. Exactly. So you're absolutely right, though. The, the joy, the delight on the face of those people giving their best is something that, that blesses them. And, oh, it's so humbling. Yes, mm-hmm. It's very humbling. 
very humbling. Well, and you start to realize how much you have that you didn't even know you could give. That's right. And and so, you know, I think for us as Americans, you know, one of the things that, that we have this propensity to just always think of giving as financial. And so we're kind of coming up to the end of this hour, and I, I really want to talk about in the next hour, I was encouraging people last week about giving you know, you don't have to just give financially. It's giving courtesy, right. kindness, politeness. Right. It's it's not withholding things. It's knowing right. if someone has an emotional need, just give it to them. You know, and it's that. I, I really want us to talk about that because you do have some of that in the book you did with Magnificent Marriages on how you change the tone and the atmosphere of relationship. And it, it has to do with a, a, a heart of generosity that really wants the other person to be okay instead of me being okay first. Right. So I think that that, w- that will be helpful as we come up to this, this, um, this segment. And, and I'm, very, I'm very glad that you're here today because you have some, a, a, gr- a different way of looking at this, especially since you're a man and you have been married and you have four children, which you're really trying to instill these qualities in them that they install in their children. And, and I think that part of generosity is this um, relational and... And it's a community-based issue that we really need to work on. And we need to do it in in our entire world. Like I was talking about neighbors, that you have neighbors from hell, you know. Well, they're next door to you for a reason, you know. Right. So it's tough because we don't like being mistreated. And we seem to get caught up in our rights here in America and that people don't have a right to do these things. So... This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this next segment as we talk with Dr. Jared Pingleton on the issue of generosity and what generosity means and what generosity does. So make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, Cynthia Hyatt Inc., INC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. If you just joined in, this is the second half of our hour, so I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety if you go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and there's a podcast that you can listen to the show in its entirety. And last week, you might want to get that show as well because we kind of set the tone for this message today, and that is on generosity. So we talked a lot last week about what generosity is, biblically what it is, the heart of God, um, the health benefits of generosity. And I specifically called uh, Dr. Jared Pingleton. He's been on our show before because I thought he might have some great insights about generosity. He's authored a couple of books, and I'm going to have him talk to you a little bit about those because he has one new one that's out that we're going to make sure he's on our show again to tell us about that book. He's a clinical psychologist, a credentialed uh, minister. So, so Jared, thank you again for being on the show. And tell people how they can get a hold of you, what, what, you, can do, what you do, and then really give us some of your thoughts about this issue of generosity. Thank you. appreciate that, Cynthia. Um, I can be contacted. My email is jared, J-A-R-E-D dot pingleton at A-A-C-C dot net where I serve as the Vice President of the American Association of Christian Counselors. To me, the concept of generosity is really the heart of the Gospel, because it's the expression of the Father, because He is Himself so generous. 
it's interesting when you do a Bible study on the concept of generosity, depending on the translation, you'll find anywhere from 18 to 88 um, in the versions I looked at, words translated into English as generous. But there there are several dozen of these in, in Scripture, and it's interesting that most of them are not necessarily materialistically oriented, where we're commanded, particularly in the New Testament, we're commanded to be generous in good works. We're commanded to be generous with our attitudes. And we're, we're on the receiving end of God being generous to us with things like wisdom. In James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. There's no guilt trip. And it'll be given to you. Um, it's talking about grace being given to us generously, love being given to us generously from God, and so thus we are to give to others. But even when we talk about giving material goods, the Scripture always links that to the giver being more blessed. A generous person themselves will prosper. A generous person themselves will be blessed if they share their food with the poor, etc., etc., so generosity, there's nothing bad about it. Every possible outcome of generosity on both the giver's end and the receiver's end is all good in Scripture. Oh, that is, see, I think that's the power of it, is understanding. I like that distinction because when we talk about generosity, Americans in particular think, oh, they want money. They want me to give my money. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I certainly always say to people, well, if that's your first response and you're frustrated, you might want to talk to God about that. Anyways, but more than anything, it's I think the thing that has the biggest bang for its buck is the relational piece of generosity. That's that good works. That's like, you know, you know, if someone's newspaper is out in the middle of the street, you pick it up and put it on their on their driveway. You know, it's those small gestures or big gestures of helping someone, you know, with their groceries or, you know, what you know, watching someone's house while they're gone so they can have peace of mind. When they're mm-hmm. gone, they, someone's watching their home. These those those types of good works that extend ourselves and create community, which makes strong communities. Stronger communities make healthier people, you know. And we have a tendency to not want to offend someone we know. So part of the breakdown of our communities is increasing crime, because the more we don't know people, the more we objectify them, the more we don't have trouble That's offending right. them. That's right. And so it, I think it's a, it's a huge issue when we think about this idea that you made the differentiation between good works. So we have about one minute. So talk a little bit more about that differentiation. Well, I love Proverbs 11.25. It says a generous person will prosper. There's a promise. There's a guarantee. That's awesome. It's insured. A generous person will prosper. So even if we're selfishly motivated. <laughs> Isn't you know, God funny? He's so, God is so wise with us. He is, he is. He takes us where we are, but here's where it lands. Here's where that sentence ends, because there's a semicolon, and then it says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So see, it's not just stuff. What do you do that makes people feel refreshed? That's the key. Give time. Give listening, give support, give encouragement, give prayer, give of, you know, go play catch with a kid or play tea party with with a child. Those are the things that refresh people, and those are what Scripture encourages us to be about. I love that. 
Thank you. Well, join us in the last segment. We have only one more. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia and our very gracious guest, Dr. Jared Pingleton. So join us in the next segment as we talk about generosity and generosity of spirit. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I hope you had a great week last week and that you are going to have an even better one this week. So we are doing um, a two-part series. Last week, we talked about generosity. Are you generous? Are you a generous person? And we talked a lot about the health benefits of generosity, what it does for relationships, what it does for your own morale, and how it just colors the world. It just makes the world a better place and how contagious it is. So we talked a little bit more definitively about that. And today we have uh, Dr. Jared Pingleton, a friend of mine that I'm so glad that he was willing to be on the show again. He's such a wealth of information and he's a, he's a wonderful scholar. And he's written some great books. Uh, the one that we had him on our show a year ago was magnificent, making magnificent marriages, and it is a great resource, and I use it frequently in my practice. And he has written a new book, and I'm going to have him talk to you about that one. That is being strong and surrender, and he's co-authored that with uh, Phil Dvorak and uh, Dr. Phil Meyer. So, um, Jared, thank you again for joining us, and and we left off with that Proverbs eleven twenty five. So let's kind of start with that. Sure. One of the universal principles in the Bible has to do with sowing and reaping. That is, if we put beans in the ground, we're not going to get turnips or corn or something else. Right, right. But you not only get back what you give or invest, you get back more than you give away. For example, if you put one kernel of corn in the ground and it germinates and grows, you will get one stalk of corn that will have several ears of corn, which each will have over a hundred kernels Amazing. So there's an exponential dynamic in God's universe. And if you think in terms of agriculture or farming, those illustrations really come true. But they also apply not just in the concrete literal world, but in the abstract relational world. We always get what we sow and we get more back than we invest. So when we're generous, we're going to be treated more generously. And I, I love this concept in Proverbs, talking about refreshment. It really has to do with the concept of watering. And when a plant is watered, it, it flourishes, it's vibrant, it's vital, it's alive, and it gives off more fruit. The fruit is more fully developed, and so there's just this ongoing process of of watering that is implied here. But that's that's the whole point of Proverbs. When we that's bless a, yes. others, we will be more blessed. And, you know, it's I think it's kind of, it's sad on one hand, it's gracious of God that he knows that somehow to get through to humans in their fallen nature, he, he's got to make sure that you get something if you're giving it, you mm-hmm. know? And that's not the heart of God. That's not what, you know, God didn't do that with Jesus. You know, he took a risk on all of us. And there are some that, that the gamble isn't a good gamble. And God still risks on every human being. And he gives this magnificent part of himself, the Son of God, and and gives it freely, wholly, with no charge, no, you know, risk, nothing. And he just says, it's yours if you want it. And so it's so nice and so kind of God to say, you know, I know my people. I know they struggle. 
So I'm going to make sure that, like you said, there is a gift in the giving, you know, and that we do feel better and do better when we are generous as people. And and this idea of generosity of spirit, that, you know, giving time, giving, you know, effort, giving love, giving forgiveness, and the gift of forgiveness is such a generous offer when we give that yeah. to people. And we have such trouble in relationships. I was talking in the last week about this idea of withholding, and, and there's this strange phenomenon that in our fallen nature, we think that actually withholding forgiveness, withholding acceptance, withholding approval will somehow change someone's behavior, you know, and that God accepts, accepts us completely, 100%, and loves us even when we didn't know him. He gives and the it... the paradox and the irony yes. is that's what changes exactly. us. Exactly. We receive that grace. Exactly. The debt's been paid, we owe nothing, and then our response is, wow, I'm going to change. Yeah. And, and why is it such a risk for us as humans to, mm-hmm. to give love and, and give acceptance and give approval? We just think that people are going to become worse. You know, if I, if I approve of them, then they'll just do more of it. And it's like, no, when I approve, I don't approve of everyone's behavior. But right. I can improve, I can approve of and validate that person's existence and their, their value without approving of their behavior. I love in classic literature Charles Dickens' depiction of, in A Christmas Carol, the transformation of Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. Who went from being the opposite of generous to the most generous man in the whole town because he had been so miserly, so withholding, so begrudging that another piece of coal would go on the fire <laughs> for the town to have hands that weren't frozen to categorizes profits in the right margins of the, the bookkeeping. You right, know? right. And he was transformed by an understanding of being relationally generous because he, he understood that we reap what we sow, and nobody was, I mean, he got that sneak preview peek into the future. Right, And exactly. it was really ugly. Yes. Nobody cared about him, and he was uh, very shaken by that. So the that's, to me, the heartwarming part of generosity, is when we're generous in our spirit, we can be hospitable to people, just as we were talking earlier about third-world country folks. We can be hospitable to people as a means of attitude. It doesn't have to be materialistic. It, 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 I think when we're hospitable of heart, that's when people feel cared about and welcomed most deeply. Well, I, I, yes, and I think that sometimes... One of the reasons that God is so um, encouraging or reinforcing about our heart is because many times what happens with people, and you know this from just being in practice as well as I do, that I don't give people money. Mm-hmm. I, I don't give them money. I give them acceptance. I give them approval. I give right. them patience. I give kindness. I give understanding. Right. And right. and that makes them better, and they need less money. That's right. When we give them empathy and support, yes. that to them is priceless. Yes. Yes. Right. And so I think that we, we lose sight, and I'm sure this is part of the enemy's work, is that we devalue or minimize gestures like that of courtesy, mm-hmm. of kindness, of understanding, of forgiveness, forbearance, and think that, oh, we just need to go buy him a car, or we'll just send money out here to, you know, Africa right. or Uganda or whatever, and we'll just give money instead of, you know, how much are we giving of our heart, of ourself? And that's the power. 
That's the relational piece. You know, I mean, I can send money to people in Africa, but when I go there and love them and hug them and kiss them and spend time with them, that's far more life-giving to them than any money I send. Absolutely. And that's what they remember. They do. That's exactly right. And that is what people remember. People remember the gesture far more. Uh You know, yesterday I was in CVS and the the young man that was checking me out, you know, the, with all of my, you know, things. And, and I've seen him before, and he looked a little not quite as energetic. And I was buying flu medicine at the time, and he said, oh, that's what I need. And I said, oh, you're not feeling well. And he said, no. And so we finished the transaction. And at the end, I said, I'll pray for you. And he lit uh-huh. up like, he said, thank you. And so I didn't buy him. I didn't give him my flu medicine, right? I took it home right. to my family who needed it. But right. I told him I would pray for him, and that changed the moment completely. Yes, yes. And I did pray for him. What, I wasn't just... A, that's just, what the apostles did. Exactly. You know, I don't have any money. I don't have silver and gold. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And that's what was transformative. Yes. That's faith. So how do you see this in, in intimate relationships and marriages? And, and how do you see that generosity piece? Well, it has to do with attitude. When I'm willing to give my wife time, when I'm willing to give my wife space when she needs that, when I'm willing to give my wife support, when I'm willing to give my wife kindness, she sure treats me a lot more better, Cynthia. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yes. You just give but people what I'm they smart, need. I'm generous. <laughs> I know. <you> know? <laughs> it's like, you know, somehow giving people what they need is this yeah. paradox. It's like, why is that so hard sometimes to just yeah. give someone what they need? And you get and to such... me, it's an attitude of servanthood. You're I right. think that's what is required, is for us to think of, okay, how can I be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem? How can I be uh, an agent, a vessel, a vehicle, um, a clay pot, that I allow the Holy Spirit of the Creator to flow through, to be able to be Jesus' hands or ears extended, as it were, to that person? That, to me, is the goal. How can I be about helping meet that other person's need? And so it has to do with, I think, a sensitivity to the Spirit. I think we have to be available to the Spirit, because you there got a gentle nudge in that checkout line to say to that young man, I'm going to pray for you. Yes, You didn't have to do that. Right. But see, that's how God's Spirit whispers that still, small voice. You, You not only paid attention to that, you heeded and obeyed. And I think that's the issue, when we can just be living our own life and be sensitive to the Spirit's nudges or urges, then we can become much more generous with His love and grace and mercy and forgiveness um, in ways that really make an impact. So it's kind of a confidence, a boldness issue, because now that you say that, you're right, it was a nudge. But I had to step out and expose mm-hmm. myself. I had to be somewhat vulnerable. And that's, a, that's, a, that's not always easy to do. I had to be confident right. and bold in that right. gesture. Right. And I think that's tough sometimes for us, especially in our world, that we get like, mm-hmm. we think a kind thought, but we don't take that next step and put it out mm-hmm. there as a gift and give it. And I wonder how many people go hurting yes. and lonely and unfulfilled because of our lack of obedience. I think that's one of the hardest things is really letting God work through us and get, you know, us get out of the way. And and because God is so kind, I'm always amazed at how kind God is, how understanding he is. 
you know, yeah. and long suffering. I mean, it's it just is, his patience is is amazing. And and I well, think also the Church of Corinth, it's the kindness of yes. God that brings people to repentance. That's exact. Thank you for that. Is the verse? Yes, I have that verse in my in my notes. That's the one that is so famous. Mm-hmm. That is his kindness mm-hmm. leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's not the harshness, nope. you know. And and it's and I think we get afraid of that because we still get those control issues that we think if I'm yep. kind to them, they're going to do worse. Right. I'm somehow giving them permission to be bad people. <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous when I think of it, but it is our nature. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. well, we have about two minutes left. This is this show has gone by so fast. Thank you so much. So what what's what are some parting things that you can tell us, and then I want you to make sure that the listeners know how to get a hold of you again. Sure. I I love this concept of generosity. It's revolutionary. People might think, what are they up to? Exactly. <laughs> you practice or exercise. They might be suspicious, yes. Yeah, but that's okay. I, it has to do with an attitude of servanthood and an activity of giving. And I would encourage listeners to think, okay, what is it that I have to give? Oh, I don't have blah, 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 blah. No, hold it. You have time. Yes. You have breath. You have energy. You have a you smile. Have you have a smile. Yes. Yes. Giving a smile can be very generous. And so it's all about how do you make that other person feel refreshed? That's the concept I would like to leave us with. Is what can I do to be a blessing to someone else? I think that's wonderful. So tell us how we can get a hold of you. Sure. Jared.Pingleton at aacc.net, and that'll get right to me. And you have a book coming up, and that's called... 30 days, what was it called again? It's called Be Strong and Surrender. It's a 30-day recovery guide. A couple of friends and I got together and we thought, hey, how can we create a resource for small groups, for churches, for clients and and counselors to to use as a a journaling uh, tool for inpatient recovery centers? And we're finding um, a very wonderful reception to the resource in so many different arenas. That's because, unfortunately, we've got so many people struggling with addiction. Absolutely. One out of four Americans that meet criteria for alcohol use disorder. Oh. We've got, we've well, got thank people you. addicted to pornography. We've yes. got people addicted to gambling, people addicted to food. We've got people thank you addicted so much. to so many things, video yes. games. Oh, I, you know, thank you, Dr. Pingleton, so much for being on today. And this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join us next week and have a great week. And inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.